I want to celebrate some things with y'all at the very end, not just right now. But I just want to praise the Lord for a second with you guys that 19 people trusted Jesus as Lord. Come on, we can celebrate. Thank you, Jesus. I'm really grateful for that. It was such a cool weekend experience on Easter, and so I'm excited. And I'll just tell you kind of where this message is coming from, and then I want to jump right in. Um, I was praying through because um, we celebrated Leah's birthday. We were gone a couple days and um, so I knew I was going to be gone some, and I just said, Lord, I can have someone else preach if you don't want, and I got some buddies or whoever I could call, and so um, I, I really contemplated not preaching, and I just knew for sure I was supposed to preach, and I was like, that's, that's okay, but you're going to have to give it to me if we're going to do it, and Monday when I worked in the office, it came to me, honest to goodness, in less than an hour. Now, it took me a little bit more time to write it out, but I, I immediately knew what I was supposed to preach, and it kind of piggybacks off of Easter. So if you didn't hear it, I'm not going to take a lot of time and re-preach the message, but, but here's the, the tiny little picture, that our responsibility is to be the bridge, listen to me, to be the bridge where people who are far from God can understand how to get to God, that that a people who are wandering in a wilderness, quote-unquote, can find their promised land. If you understand what I'm saying so far, say yes. yes. Like that's, that's the goal. The goal is to do the culture change. And, and if you're new here, you haven't heard this, but if you're not, you've heard me say it over and over and over and over and over that, that God's called us to reach the least lost and lonely and that, that the result of that is going to be that we, we don't just impact and have a good crowd show up, but we literally change the culture of the upstate and it permeates around the world. And it was like he said, all right, Go for it right now. With the next series that I'm going to tell you at the very end about that we're starting next week and even today, I think we have a little bit of a blueprint. I just don't know if we want to do it. I won't know that until I can tell if you smile and talking. Because, because here's the truth of this. Everybody say stuck in the middle. Here's the truth of this. Nobody likes to be stuck in the middle. Nobody. Like, that's why this message isn't necessarily sexy. I love it because of how he gave it to me, but it's not necessarily sexy. Why? Thank you for asking. The reason why is because if you're polarizing, hear me, if you're polarizing, one side's going to hate you, but one side's going to love you. Like, if I want to get amens in here, this, this used to be our joke, I could preach against pushers, pimps, and prostitutes in here and get amens all day long. Because preachers have to use the same letter. Y'all know that. But if I just preach against stuff, if I just say they're bad, half of you may be, maybe on the outside looking in and you may not like it, but the half that are on the same side, you would love it. Why? Because polarizing gets amens. Polarizing gets support. Why is that? I'm starting a little different with y'all because I felt like I was supposed to. But you just need to know that polarizing always divides. Now, Satan came to divide us. Did y'all know that? The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, and division is the way to do it. A house divided against itself will fall. It can't stand. The kingdom is supposed to be united. Do y'all understand this? That we, I do not care. Y'all better listen. I don't care where you come from, what your, what your background is. As a church, capital C, I'm not talking to just four points, but right now I am because y'all are here. But, but as a global church... We are supposed to look so unified that it does not matter where we come from, how we learn how to understand. 
That it doesn't matter what news agency or anything else that I get my information from because the Bible in his word supersedes it because I live by a different document. It's called the word. His living testament is what I live by. And as a result of that, I'm called to be stuck in the middle. But y'all better listen. Listen, listen, listen. Stuck in the middle doesn't pay. Nobody on planet earth that is not a kingdom person that, that lives by his way. Nobody wants you to be stuck in the middle. I'm going to give you some examples. Nobody. They want you to be on a side. They want you to pick sides. For example, now I need y'all to hear this before I say anything else. We can have opinions and there are situations that call for, y'all better listen to me, that call for us standing up for certain things. And if we're silent, we're, we're sinning. But I should speak when the Holy Spirit calls me to speak and not because I'm angry. Because when I speak against human beings, no matter who the human beings are, I've immediately stepped out of God's plan and stepped into Satan's purpose. And when I go against people, I've immediately polarized myself and them. And if it's ever an us and them, then there's no getting them to where we want them to go and we've missed the point altogether. Because I have been vocal. If y'all know me, I've been vocal over, over the years. Been very vocal. I'm not a supporter of the organization Black Lives Matter, but I'm a supporter in the movement. Why? Because if you can pay attention to what's going on, there's a group of people that are crying out saying, we need help, and I don't think the people who aren't in our shoes can understand. So the reason that I wanted to speak out is not for them, but because the Holy Spirit pulled me to the point that I could not stay silent. And I had a decision to make. Will I honor and say yes to you? Or will I care what my white friends think and be quiet? Because I have the option and a lot of people didn't like it. But watch. Just because I make a declaration when something egregious happens and I say Black Lives Matter, it doesn't mean that I hate the police. It's okay to say that police officer was terrible, but also believe that I love, where's Jordan? I love Jordan and he's a cop. And I'm glad to have a cop behind me while, he, while we're praying at the end. Why? Because if a crazy comes in, blah, blam, come on somebody. Right? Hey, listen, y'all better, better listen to me today because I'm going to preach tonight. Y'all might not like it. It's okay. There are bad cops, but cops aren't bad. And if you think that, you have allowed yourself to be polarized by people who want you to not like each other. Because the media, society, you listen, let's just talk about the media a second. I don't have a picture. I don't care where you get your news from. As of April 11th, 2021, I have yet to find. Once, yet to find. Is it the 11th today? Yeah. I was about to say, have I, have I lost today? I have yet to find once a media outlet that I believe didn't have a bias and want me to think something. I just wish you'd tell me what's going on. I don't need your opinion. Everything's a pop opinion thing. Why? Because it pays, y'all. People don't care to know information. They want to be pulled. That's why you never hear good news first. You always hear bad news. Why? Because bad news sells. Why? Because it's polarizing. It makes me pick a side. I cannot be stuck in the middle 
if I've picked a side. Because I can believe that all lives matter, but, but at this very moment, or, or in certain moments, I better speak out for this. Why? Because that's what God is about. For people who have been pushed to the side, for people that, that people have said, you shouldn't care about these certain people, push them to the side. Don't talk to the Samaritans. You're a Jew. And what did Jesus do? He didn't just talk to them. He went through Samaria to speak to the woman at the well. So if I say no, uh, I'm too good for that. What I've said is, I'm not for your way. I'm for my way. Because all lives matter, and you people, and I pick sides. And then we got this, and y'all, come on. Old people in the room, y'all talk to me for a second. Y'all remember, remember when we were growing up, it was the red do-rags and the blue do-rags in gangs. What were they called? The Bloods and the Crips. Let me tell you where that originated. The Crips and the Bloods. They were more, they more, way more gangster and against each other than the Bloods and the Crips ever thought about being. Y'all better talk back to me. We used to do this. Y'all ever do this? Some of y'all are like, what did he just do? It was bloods. Come on, somebody. I don't know nothing about them, so don't judge me. <laughs> like, they're awful. Okay, that's fine, but I could still make that. It's pretty cool. Polarize. Why, why do people want to be on a side? Because it feels like you're a part of something. Like, it's what's so interesting to me about the churches. God's called us to be a part of something bigger and better than ourselves, called his church, the body of Christ. And yet Satan wants nothing, nothing more than to make sure you're not a part of that. So as long as you'll be a part of this, it will be opposed to his. And it's subtle. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's subtle because inside of us, I, this is where I need y'all's honesty because y'all don't have to amen me. It's okay. I can just feel awkward up here by myself. But, but if you can be honest in here, you feel righteous inside when you're calling out certain things in certain ways, making your bully pulpit. I'm talking to me for a second. There was nobody on planet Earth in my 20s and early 30s that was worse than me. I, taught, I mean, I, had a, I, I boycotted everything. I boycotted Pepsi one time. They didn't do nothing. But I read a post from somebody that had lied. Snopes became my good friend, everybody, because I found out a lot of lies were coming out. You know what I found out about the church? We're more likely, I'm sorry, but I just have to preach today. We're more likely to believe conspiracy theories than we are the Bible. What do you mean, Mark? I mean that if I told you it's possible that miracles, signs, and wonders can happen in this room when the Holy Ghost moves, everybody goes, hmm, I wonder. But if I tell you a conspiracy theory, half of you will sow seed into that word. Oh, I believe that. But we don't believe him. Why? Because conspiracies divide. He's called us to be stuck in the middle. And by the way, there's some conspiracy theories that I do think might be true. So I ain't going to be a hypocrite in this room now. <laughs> the point is not that. The point is, do we want to believe them more than the word? And I would say yes. Again, I'm not necessarily talking about the people in this, in this room. But I'm saying, why would people not want to be a part of the church? Because it's just as divisive as anything. Matter of fact, I'll just show you. If y'all don't know this about me, let me talk about me for a second. I'm Baptist, raised, born, educated, multiple degrees, Baptist. That's all I ever knew. But I'm crazy. Okay? Crazy. What do you mean? I mean that 
I'm rebellious in my spirit, and I don't care what you think I should believe. I care what he thinks I should believe. So to the point that I probably hurt, I don't know why I said probably. I'm, I'm confident that I hurt the feelings of even my own immediate family. Asking me stuff like, have you gone off the rails? You pray in the Holy Spirit now? And I say, oh, bo, 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 shata, I sure do. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I did. Why did you do that? Because he said to, who's he? Who, who, who are you referring to when you said because he? Because you found out that an influential pastor in another denomination all of a sudden befriended me. You think that I, that I pick up everything that he says? I, I think I'm listening to a higher power. And I'm sorry, everybody, but when I'm, when I'm on my first Israel trip in 2014 and I have an encounter with the Holy Ghost, I'm actually standing in the Sea of Galilee when this happens, about knee-deep in the water. And I, the Spirit of God falls on me and I begin to pray in the Spirit. Guess what? I don't care about Baptists or Pentecostals. but I just have to tell y'all the truth today. Because of my associations and how I've befriended certain people, and more importantly, I would say they've befriended me, and I've just opened my heart up to this one thing. Y'all better listen. God, I don't care what the denomination name is. If you're for it, I want it. If you want it for me, I want it. I don't care what they think or they think or they think because it should be us. But I've been talked about, even at convention meetings, about Mark's off the rails. Why? I promise this is true because he preaches with a microphone in his hand. Do you know why I preach with a microphone in my hand? Not because Pentecostals do. Because Leah told me it's better if you have something in your hand because you're ADD and you find squirrels everywhere. I swear. Y'all better listen. But they will judge you if you, if, if you go God's way. Why? Because, black people, can I talk to y'all for a second? The fact that you're at a church with a white pastor, people have said to you, why do you go to a church with a white pastor? Why? Because everybody separates us. Matter of fact, Charles Barkley said this. I don't know if y'all heard him. I love Chuck anyway. I think he's hilarious. That knucklehead. He said this. Politicians are the world's worst at wanting to divide us because they don't care about you. They care about power. And so what they want to do, and obviously this is a broad stroke and there's some that are great. But what the desire is on the Democrat and Republican side is just to control. But when I let that consume me, I don't realize that I've been divided. And I'm just telling y'all, honest to God, this is what I believe. The majority, over half of what we hear is not true. It's either half fact or no fact at all but it stirs the emotion of right or left. It stirs the emotion of black, white, Hispanic, Asian. It stirs the emotion of every single creed, every single... And it makes the kingdom and what it's supposed to operate in impossible, which is perfect planning. If you were going to design a weapon to destroy the possibility of a different culture taking over and becoming God's plan, Satan's scheme is perfectly being driven out. Why? Because it's being done by the church. It's being done by the church. So good news, bad news. Good news, that doesn't have to continue. Bad news, we got to do it God's way. Got to do it God's way. It's our only choice. And it reminds me, this is where this message comes from. It reminds me of one of my favorite stories in the Bible about 
God's people being pulled out of exile by Moses. God calls Moses and says, go to Pharaoh, which is hilarious because no one would ever do this. But he said, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And then he did signs and wonders. And eventually the people went and they crossed the Red Sea. And, and Moses, of course, thought that they were going to get to the promised land that God promised them. The land flowing with milk and honey and amazing. Immediately. And yet because of their unbelief, they had to wander for 40 years. I would like to argue today that the American church is in the wilderness. I don't believe we're in bondage. I believe we could go back to bondage because of comfort. Because remember, in the stories, they constantly argued, I want to go back to Egypt. At least we had fill in the blank. And so we, we yearn for Egypt when promised land is just across the Jordan River. And Moses died, and, and God called Joshua to be raised up to be the one that led the people across the river. He and Caleb and ten other spies had gone and looked, and they knew what they were supposed to do. But to get an entire nation across the Jordan, especially in harvest season, was difficult because the river was so high it was impossible. It was impossible. And yet in Joshua 3, that's exactly what God called them to do. Y'all look at this. Joshua chapter 3. It says in verse 7, the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Today, someone say today. today. I don't think this has to wait any longer. I think we can do this today. I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel so that they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. And this is so important, y'all. If you've got your app or your Bible in your hand or whatever, y'all should underline, command the priests. Command the priests. Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now stop right there. Just so y'all understand, the Ark of the Covenant, it was big. It, 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 it was stored in the Holy of Holies. That's the presence of God where it dwelt. And so much cool stuff was in there and what God did through it. It, it represents the presence of God, though. In this case, what I need y'all to understand is the presence of God is represented by the Ark because now the Holy of Holies is in here. And when the Holy Spirit is functioning properly, the Ark of the Covenant has been placed in the proper place because I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Because no one said anything. He said, I want you to command the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. The covenant. Not my comfort. The covenant. Not capitalism. When you reach the edge of the waters, the Jordan River. Jordan means new beginning, by the way. New beginnings. Fresh start. So the promised land is on the other side. But you got to get them to the other side in order for them to experience the promise. And when I've picked the side, I don't care about getting them to the other side. Let me keep preaching. He said, stand in the Jordan. That makes no sense, God. Why would you want me to stand in water that's crazy deep? Because the, the Jordan overflows during harvest season, and it was harvest season. And so those of y'all that have been, you've seen it before, but the Jordan's not real wide. It's less, it's, it's less of a big river than it used to be. But in harvest season, they say it was hundreds of feet wide at the time especially around Jericho. But listen, in that hundreds of feet wide, huge river that flowed from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea that, that literally was the pathway, the passageway, excuse me, to get them into the promised land that God had promised them. It says, as soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant reached the Jordan, when their feet touched the water. In other words, when they stopped picking a side and they decided they'd go in, and do it God's way, no matter what it looks like, I'll say yes to you. It says their feet touched the waters at the edge and the water flowing downstream stood still up by the Sea of Galilee, rising to a mass and extending as far as Adam, the city next to Zarethan. 
And then the water's flowing downstream on the other side where the Dead Sea was completely cut off in the people. What does it say? The people? The people? Like the cross is our message. And the desire for dead to come to life and cross over is our hope. Matter of fact, God's called every one of you who's a Christian to a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. I've preached this over and over recently. Church is a vocation. Reconciliation is the ministry of every single Christian in the room. Every single Christian watching online. Every single person is a follower of Jesus. We're called to be crossover Christians. We reconcile God's people to himself because they are far from him. We are enemies of God because of our sin. But God wants all people. It was not me who came up with this idea. It was Jesus who said, whosoever will can come. That's everybody, everybody. Come on. And it says that all the people, everyone, crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground. Everybody say this out loud. Stuck in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. I just wonder out loud with my people in the room, how many of us could care less if we could just be honest with ourselves? How many people we've caused not to be able to cross because our concerns, our opinions, our way of life, what we feel slighted by has become louder than God's plan? That if we were about God's purpose, if, if, if we spoke what God called us to speak, it would be a game changer because one of us can't do it on our own. We can start it. I believe, I believe movements always happen with a small group of, of one that will say, I'll, tra- I'll be a trailblazer and swim upstream. But most of us would much rather stand on the banks than get in the river. Oh, we love to sing songs like the ocean's deep. Because I will call upon your name. We love that song, right? We love it until we have to get in. Why? Because I don't have control in the water. But I can yell at you from the shoreline. Do you know what happens to people when the Holy Spirit hasn't moved on their behalf and he's called you to be the ambassadors? God makes his appeal through us is what 2 Corinthians 5 says. And when we decide we like preferences, when we decide polarization is better than God's promises, when we decide that we will do it our way, we stand on the edge knowing the river's there, but we've already crossed over everybody. We're saved. We don't have to worry about it. And even though the kingdom is divided against itself in the church, we're going to heaven when we die. What do we have to worry about? And what we have to worry about is the billions of people that are going to die and go to hell because we don't care about his way. We want to be right. And so instead of crossing over on dry ground and being bridges in the kingdom of God, we've decided to watch them drown. But the problem is this drowning isn't a quick drowning. It's an eternal drowning. Because this isn't actual water that I'm talking about now. The Bible says that there's a lake of fire in a place called hell. This is real, y'all. This is life or death, and it's eternal life and death. That we, that we polarize ourselves caring more about personal preferences, how I grew up. And this is just, it, this came to my mind this week. That if I can look at my life 
and not disagree with myself from five years ago. I've not changed at all. Which means I probably am not listening to the Lord because I'm not right about everything. This is what I find to be the issue is that people can't experience the promise until God's people care more about his presence than our preference. That, 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 that crossovers can't take place until being in the presence of God and experiencing life with him is my number one priority over all the other things that are on my mind. Good things, y'all. There's good things that distract us. But it's his promises. Now, here's how I want to close this message. Because up till this point, whether you love this or not, I think y'all have tracked with me pretty good. But this is what I would have the question if I was sitting in your seat. That's all fine and good, Mark, but you're the priest, not me. Like, you're the pastor, which is a priestly seat. So this is your responsibility. Do it. And that's all fine and good except for it's dead wrong. Because now I'm grateful. He called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers. And that's a calling, and it's a unique skill set, and it's what God's called certain people to. In a vocational sense and in a gifting sense, he's called certain people. But what people don't understand because it doesn't get preached, it's, it's awkward. It's the moment that you trust Jesus as Lord, there's a priestly seat in your life. Ladies, in your life, men, in your life, every color, every nation, every creed. Why? Because we are kingdom citizens. Here's what Peter said. Watch this. He said, you are a chosen race. This is every Christian. This is everyone that's a follower of Jesus. Y'all better listen because I'm about to go. I'm not going to get to royal priesthood. That's really what this message is about till second. Because I'm only 40 years old, so I didn't experience segregation. And I grew up playing ball, so I grew up with a brotherhood, not really caring because we were trying to win. And we loved each other regardless of color. But I'm also not an idiot. And I can tell the difference in my skin tone and some of yours. But the reason that a multicultural church is so difficult is because it's nearly impossible. Matter of fact, I would argue it's impossible without God. Why? Because the only thing we desire is polarizing churches that stand for our way and not for the chosen race. So, so, so this begs the question, who is the chosen race? Well, you are. And 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 every person that has received the blood transfusion from Jesus to you by trusting him as Lord all of a sudden becomes a part of a new race. It is not a race that's defined by skin. It's a, it's a race that's defined by a heart that was stony that became flesh. And no longer is my race defined by my outside but now my inside. Which does not mean I can't celebrate cultural differences of racial differences. It's fine to. It's great. I can understand differences of how you feel versus how they feel versus how we feel versus whoever. And I can begin to lean in. Why? Because you're my family a lot more than a lot of white people are because you have Jesus in you. So now I'm a part of your race. I'm a blood brother to all of you who are a follower of Jesus. And it changes the game for me because I love you no matter what your color is. I love you because you're part of my race, the race of Jesus. We have kingship. We walk around as kings and queens in Christ Jesus. There's a new calling on my life. I have royalty in my life. I'm no longer part of 
a wandering nation. I'm no longer part of a, of a wandering race of people. White, black, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. Brown, yellow, whatever color people want to call. It's one chosen race. I believe there's 12. You say, why do you say 12? There's 12 jewels. God loves color. Why would he not pick 12 different shades? Inside of those shades, there's different shades of those shades. But I got news for everybody. Heaven ain't a white house. Nor is it a brown house. Nor is it it's a kingdom house. By the way, I think this is so cool. This is just a little side piece for y'all. Y'all are welcome. The end of the Bible in Revelation 21, it says that the river of life that flows through heaven, actually the leaves that grow on the side where the river of life is, gives healing to the nations. But we got to get in the river to feel the healing. We got to be stuck in the middle. And then it says something so interesting. It calls us a royal priesthood, which means the priestly call is on every single person's life. Who are the priests that have to be stuck in the middle? Every follower of Jesus. The ambassadorship that we've been all given, the role that we've been all called to, the ministry that, that is on every Christian's life is reconciling God, reconciling people who are far from him to God. And he uses every single person. But the priest had to be stuck in the middle. That's the only way they could reach the other side. Otherwise, they're drowning all around. And if I cared about the priesthood, and I mean God's priesthood, not pastoral like I cared about my preferences, I would be, it would change my life because I would want to be in a place without control, stuck in the middle. I want people to be able to walk through the ground so dry they can't even see their footprints. But it can never happen unless I'm stuck in the middle. And he says, we're a holy nation and a people for his own possession that we proclaim the excellencies of those who called us out of darkness and into light. Look at this, once I was not a people, I was part of a wandering nation in the wilderness, and that, that's what I would describe the church as today. We're wandering through the wilderness, but we're now God's people. Once we received no mercy, we had not received his unbelievable forgiveness, but now we're a people who've been forgiven. We, we have mercy in us, so we should extend it. Now hear this clearly, because i got to close with this. I'm not arguing today that you shouldn't have opinions. And if you'll just picture this, there's, there's two plates right here. And so I'm going to use this as the river. I'm not arguing that in some things you shouldn't be here and some things you shouldn't be here. And weaving inside is still the middle because it's still the riverbed. So that doesn't mean that certain things don't cause your mind to explode. If, you, if, if, you're, if you're a pro-life person, though, this is what I would argue, be pro-life against abortion and be pro-life for people, human beings of every race and creed. Which looks like, to a Republican or a Democrat, weaving so I'm not suggesting you have no opinions and just be a, a, a Switzerland-type neutral party person. You don't have to be neutral. You just got to be stuck. Or I'll say it differently. You're allowed to weave. You just can't leave. Because once I leave and say, no, 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 shame on you, I've decided to let the water rise back up and let people drown. Or I'll say it a different way. I've decided to say, go to hell, my preferences matter than the promise. And this is what I love about our God that we serve. God never asked me to do what he hasn't already done. Did you know that? Like some people will ask you to do something because they don't want to do it. But if anyone on planet earth should have been able to go with their preference 
It's when Jesus became human. He was perfect in every way. He shouldn't have had to die. He shouldn't have had to face temptation of every kind because the Bible says I can't face a temptation that he didn't face. But he resisted every single one of them. And he gives me an out. He will never ask you to do anything, including being stuck in the middle. Say, how was Jesus stuck in the middle? I just need y'all to know that being stuck in the middle is what Jesus desires for us because it's exactly what he did on the cross. Because before the message of reconciliation and the ambassadorship and the priestly calling was to take place, the true high priest that sits on God's right hand came down and lived a sinless life for 33 years. Should have been celebrated and given a throne, but instead he was given Golgotha and a tomb. But in between two thieves that deserved to die, he was stuck in the middle for you and I. And this is the picture that we want everybody to understand. We're not trying to just break a sweat and yell at everybody and tell them how bad they are. Because y'all just remember that our God, who became flesh, was called a friend of sinners and was mocked and ridiculed because of it. The one thing that you can say about the life of Jesus is he preached the kingdom everywhere he went and he loved everyone. Matter of fact, the only people that he condemned were the religious types who had all the information and rejected him. But to every sinner, he extended his hand and said, come, whosoever will. Example after example after example, when he goes to Zacchaeus' house, when he goes up to Caesarea Philippi, maybe the most pagan place in the region probably had to be at the time to say, upon this rock I'll build my church at the gates of Hades. And then in his conversation with Nicodemus in John 3, he says, whoever will, whosoever, that God loves the whole world and that whosoever will come. And that means everybody is who he was stuck in the middle for. And everybody is who we've got to stay in the middle for. The river of life flows through you is what the Bible says when you're a follower of Jesus. And what he needs from us is not your talent, but to simply be stuck in the middle. I'm telling y'all, in my gut, I feel like we're about to change the landscape of the upstate through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we'll never do it until we're willing to be stuck in the middle. God, our desire is not relevance. I'm going to be honest with you, Lord, I could care less these days. I, I don't care how many followers on anything I have. I don't care how many people watch the message. I don't... I just want to do your thing because I believe that we are supposed to be a church. As I talked about briefly just a minute ago, Lord, that we have more faith that you'll perform miracles than we will through someone's conspiracy theory. And that God, the faith that rises up will be brother to brother, sister to sister, that will build each other's, that will carry each other's mats, that will, that will be friends to people that are far from God so that we can show them life in Christ and that, that our responsibility and goal will be exactly what yours is, I'll say yes to you. That bridges can be built and we'll be people known for what we're for and not what we're against. That even though society says we should tolerate everything, but if you disagree with me, I'm intolerant towards you. We'll love everyone and stand firm on your word. 
that will have opinions, Lord, but, but the loudest thing will be the love of God in our mouths and in our lives. And as a result, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives are changed and the end result is a nation turning to you because we are a royal priesthood. We're a chosen race. We're a holy nation and we're a peculiar set apart people for your presence and glory and God we declare it and believe it in Jesus name. So may it be done and may we be stuck in the middle. In your name, amen. Y'all stand and let's sing.